0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now. Priesthood Dispatches. He's a man. (laughs) It's awesome, funny, random, doesn't make any sense, but it's good.
0: Hi everyone. And welcome back to the channel. The date is the 10th of June, 2022. Please like, and subscribe, share wherever you feel comfortable. Today we have after dinner chat number 22, and that will be with Steve Shields all the way from South Korea. Steve is originally from Utah and now lives in South Korea. And he's written a book, Divergent Paths of the Restoration, an encyclopedia to the Smith Rigdon Movement. It's now in its fifth edition. Uh, We're gonna get to that interview with Steve. But before we do, we're trying to raise a little bit of money at the moment for. The Priest of a paranormal investigation. We try and just get together a couple of hundred dollars to pay for um, some equipment and the venue. If you feel you can donate, please do so using the PayPal link in the description below. And I'll speak a little bit more about that after the episode, but for now, let's get to Steve. So Steve, thank you for joining us today all the way from South Korea. Stop.
1: Well, PD, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Fantastic. Um, So Steve, what we want to do today is we want to learn more about yourself and also more about Steve's amazing book, which is The Divergent Paths of the Restoration, an encyclopedia of the Smith Rigdon movement. Uh, Anyone after this episode is interested in the book, you can find a link to where you can purchase it in the description below. Um, And I have been looking through the book and trying to digest as much as possible this past week. And as I've already discussed with Steve, it's just all encompassing, and it but it's amazing. Um, You should really get a copy and take a look at your leisure over the coming years. Um, And as people mention things about maybe the Biccanite movement and you never heard of it or don't know about it, you can go to the encyclopedia Steve has provided an amazing uh, rundown with full references of what the Bikki movement was and where it is now Um, but before we get to that let's find out some more about Steve Um, so Steve where are you from I guess you're in South Korea now but where did you originate
1: well I, I was born and raised in Utah um my uh uh, my, my, my father was a native Utah. My mother was a transplant from Colorado as a young child, but, but my grandmother was a native Utah. And, uh, so my, my parents met at, uh, Utah state. It was called agricultural college. Then now Utah state university in Logan, Utah. Uh, they were married in the salt Lake temple. And, uh, I came along three years later so wow. uh, i was born in the covenant as they used to say i don't know if that's still a common thing on the family group sheets but uh, but my ancestry goes all the way back to uh scotland and uh massachusetts wow uh, my my, uh, my english ancestors uh left uh england in uh um, 1629 i think it was or 1628 and went to massachusetts uh, which then was uh, called the massachusetts bay colony of the british kingdom the the the, i'm not sure what the kingdom was called in the 1600s it's changed a few names over the years Uh, but but that family stayed in massachusetts until my great great grandfather uh, met brigham young and rode a horse to Kirtland, Ohio to meet Joseph Smith and was baptized there. And then he stuck with Brigham Young all the way across. My Scottish ancestors joined in 1841. uh, So both sides of the family, the original church, and about 10 years later, they made their way uh, from uh, uh, Scotland through Liverpool uh, to the United States, and then finally to Salt Lake City across the Nebraska Trail. So I have a long heritage in in both the original church and then the Utah uh, expression of that, Brigham Young's expression of that original church. Uh, so, I, you know, I was raised, my father was a bishop of our ward. Uh, I did all the things that a good Mormon boy was supposed to go, go, do, go to BYU and went on a mission to South Korea. And uh, so. so that's...
0: Do, do you know which part of England your ancestors came from?
1: Yes, they were from Norfolk. Okay, uh, uh, on the eastern kind of the eastern side of the uh, of the island yeah. there. Well, and, Jeffrey uh, Holland
0: just just visited us, and he said that the best fish and chips in um, in the UK are in Norfolk. So,
1: well, who would argue with with uh, Elder Holland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, it is it, it
0: is nice down there not the part that i'm from but it is nice down there uh um, i
1: i my folks were dirt farmers you know way back in the way back when and probably didn't have uh tuppence to rub between their fingers and <laughs> so they were out the colonies <laughs>
0: it is still like that today in Norfolk there yeah, is yeah. apart from on the coast and maybe the city of Norwich there's uh not much um, there i'm sure yeah. some people will tell me that there is much there because they're there and uh, i'm sorry if i sure. offended you okay. but yeah. the the yeah. other the other interesting thing is in the uk if you are more than a third generation mormon that's kind of special because okay. even, even though the church has been here since the 1840s with the missionaries that came over. They took so many people back to Utah with them. Right, right. They they didn't
1: leave anyone behind. And it it has been said that uh, the population at Nauvoo, at the time Joseph Smith was killed, was at least a third British immigrants, and that you would just as likely hear a British accent on the street as any other. Wow. Uh, and, and, of course, those folks who had come to the U.S., they had nowhere to go except to follow Brigham Young, whereas people that had been part of the church, you know, like the Smith family and others who were part of the earlier movement in the U.S., they're the ones who became what was then known as the Reorganized Church and James Strang's church. and and those. So you, you really had two kinds of groups of people at Nauvoo. Now, my my great-great-grandfather was at Nauvoo, and uh, his his wife and Brigham Young's wife had been cousins, and that's how Brigham Young, when he went to Massachusetts, went to, you know, you go to relatives, yeah. and um so uh my my great great grandfather was went to to Kirtland met Joseph Smith was impressed enough to to be baptized by Brigham Young in the river that's just down the hill from the Kirtland Temple in eighteen thirty seven and ten years later he's in the vanguard company of pioneers on the way to what is now Salt lake City uh, and uh, so you know I was raised to be very proud of that heritage. Yeah, because uh, you know they, and and the thing you know, and I all the religious arguments aside, the 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 absolute guts that those people had in the Vanguard Company was incredible. Um, they were in. They arrived, as we know, on July twenty fourth, eighteen forty seven, the the holy you know high holy day of Mormonism, yeah. and uh, Brigham Young had been sick with. Some kind of fever. My great great grandfather was in the wagon with Brigham when he leaned up, looked over the valley, and said, "This is the right place." Wow. Uh, he was. He he didn't come out of his fever for another couple of days, and when he came back to his you know full senses uh, and and got stepped out of the tent that they'd set up for their camp and looked around, he went to Brigham and said, "Good God, Brigham, what the hell have you done to us?" <laughs> no, that's but i can only imagine the surprise that they were. <laughs> but oh, but you God. know one month later on august 24th brigham young my great-great-grandfather albert p rockwood was his name and several others got back on horses and rode all the way back to winter quarters uh at the end of the at the end of the month there and i i just making that trip back and forth, you know, could you do it once, but some of these guys did it twice or three times or four times. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, and that story's, uh, you know, part of my, my family heritage. And, uh, but I, uh, it's not just family heritage that's important in one's life.
0: So, yeah, I, I visited the Salt Lake Valley And went up to, is it up Little Cottonwood Canyon? Possibly Mm. went up to the monument there where they've got Immigration Canyon. Canyon, Sorry, that's Um, all right. Went went up there and looked at all the names and different things and read the stories. And that was a real testimony affirming thing for me when I was there because I felt, as I would say at the time, I felt the spirit. But what I was actually feeling was a feeling of shock and awe, possibly yeah. for mm. the great sacrifices people made, yeah. you yeah. know, burying children along the way oh, when my, they yes. They really didn't have to. you know it was no, that's right. that's su- right. yeah. such a, a sacrifice to make, and I yeah. kind of at the time, I kind of said to myself, "Well, we don't have mountains to cross, but we have swathes of sin." to kind of swim through theirs was a physical challenge yeah. and ours yes. is a, a spiritual kind of challenge yeah. at yeah. the time
1: yeah. I moved, on from,
0: moved on from that opinion but at the time that was but yeah
1: that was, that was a good expression of it yeah
0: yeah, yeah. no it yeah amazing so yeah. if you grew up in the utah valley obviously you said you served your mission in south korea but went back to the utah valley Right. um and how have you ended up back in south korea
1: uh well um uh long story i well i should say long, i try to make it short but i don't know if i can no, you go for it go for it i um i had a uh, spiritually transformative experience as a young 20 year old missionary here in south korea uh which uh caused me to understand my faith in a very different way from what I'd been taught growing up. Um, I, in high school, had uh, uh, done the church history seminary class and and, uh, had always found uh, history interesting and fascinating. And I realized uh, when I was here that god was a much bigger entity than what i had been taught Uh, i found people uh, in all walks of life here who had faith whose beliefs may not may not have been similar to mine necessarily but uh, they had hope in the future Uh, and uh, i i had to really examine what it was i was doing why I was doing it, and, and then who I was, the ultimate question, I guess, would be, you know, who I was and where did I fit in the whole scheme of things. I didn't find out where I belonged for a few more years. Um, and uh, I, I had uh, known about Community of Christ, most of my growing up, we used to talk about them in Sunday school. Uh, in the LDS church, we'd talk about the RLDS church, as it was called then, the reorganized church, yeah. and uh, how foolish they were and how false they were and how imbued with the devil they were. I mean, yeah. we we did all Me those too. things. Me too. And uh, uh, I, as I took a look again, as a young adult, I was about 25, I I found out that what RLDS church was saying fit a lot better with my understanding of the scriptures and of God. And, uh, so I kind of tentatively put my toe into the water, so to speak. And, and I, I, was in Salt Lake city at the time. So, you know, I was right in the, in the belly of the beast as, uh, somebody once said, wow. <laughs> um, I was threatened with my job uh, by my employer that, you know, if I were to join that church, it would be very difficult for me to continue working in his company. Uh, and, uh, I, I finally took the leap or took the plunge, I guess, and, uh, was baptized. It's been about 40, let me think about 44 plus years ago. And, uh, uh, Ultimately, I was not fired from my job. My, my uh, employer kind of came around to thinking and, and realized that I was doing a good job for him and it really didn't matter where I went on Sunday mornings, ultimately, you know, finally. And so I yeah. was grateful for that. Um, an opportunity uh, came up uh, in the late 80s for me to uh, uh, serve Community of Christ in a full-time capacity, and so I did and went to los angeles where i pastored a small congregation that was needing to be replanted in a new location and uh, after several years in los angeles about nine i think it was an opportunity came for me to come back to korea as pastor of community of christ congregation in korea so i've been a missionary for two different denominations here in korea Um, so i did that for a number of years and then i did other things Uh, I've, i've spent uh about 10 years after I was in Korea the second time, I was here for eight or nine years at the second time, I spent 10 years uh, traveling throughout all of Asia doing uh, training for our local church leaders for Community of Christ. So uh, you know, Philippines, Taiwan, Japan, India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, I spent almost 10 years running around all those places doing uh, in-service training basically for people. And uh, I retired in 2016. And uh, after a couple of years, still in the Kansas City area, that's where I was living, I was working out of church headquarters at the time. um, I realized I really wanted to spend more years in Korea in retirement. And so I just moved myself back. And uh, I came back, I moved back four years ago, and uh, I, I take an active role in, in the congregation that I used to be the pastor of. It's a Korean church. Um, I, I, as a senior person, my role is to help the younger priesthood members learn their duties and, and do their ministry. Uh, so, you know, I take a turn speaking on Sunday mornings once in a while. And I, uh, lately I've been teaching the children's uh, Sunday school class, the little kids and i really enjoy that uh they're kind of like surrogate grandchildren for me my grandkids are in the u.s and uh so i you know i've been in community of christ now i think 40 years 41 years this year maybe and and i found i found that to be the spiritual home that i had been looking for um and uh i've it was it's been a very safe place for me to explore my faith express my faith and uh you can talk with many colleagues and, and friends in the church and they will tell you that sometimes steve shields is way out in left field with his ideas <laughs> but it's okay and that's that's what uh what really keeps me going you know what we
0: um we had uh another member of the community of christ on a few weeks ago we had stacy Cramp come mm-hmm. and join us and uh me and another podcaster from here in the uk nemo the mormon mm-hmm. uh interviewed okay. her and what we, what we found so refreshing was exactly what you just said it is okay to disagree yeah yeah and we and we can talk about it you know yeah. a, a conversation yeah. can be had rather than
1: you yeah. know disagree at your peril several several years ago um Oh, fifteen 15 years ago, maybe I was working at headquarters, another colleague who's a little younger was there. He's now a member of the 12 apostles. Uh, But uh, the president of the church introduced a new video that they were, that they were they just made to try and uh, be kind of a fresh approach and uh, attract young adults and whatever. And, and there was a moment in it where These two people were running towards each other in a very slow, and it was reminiscent of a a hair product commercial of my teenage years, and (laughs) I went back to my office and fired off an email to the president of the church and said, Steve, you've got to be kidding. It reminded me of this hair product commercial, and unbeknownst to me, this other colleague who he and I are almost on the same page with those things, did the same thing. And the next day, we were at a leader's meeting. The next day, the president of the church sought us out, and he said, you know, he said, as that video came out, and I saw that scene, I said, I knew that one or both of you were going to send me an email. Yeah. <laughs> says, How did I don't know. And I said, well, that must be the spirit of prophecy and revelation, Steve. Um, so uh, Steve Veazey just, uh, you know, he and I are about the same age. He's maybe a year yeah. or two younger than me, and we We've worked together in the church uh, in various capacities over the last. He's a really good guy. And, uh, uh, you know, but, you know, even that kind of thing, you know, didn't phase him. You know, they ultimately didn't release the video. And I don't think it was just because of me. <laughs> but, but, you know, Stacey Cram, uh, who's presiding bishop and a counselor in the first presidency at the same time, uh, I've known Stacy probably about 30 years, also, uh, from the time she was a, a local pastor, uh, all through uh, her career, and, and she, she's, she's top-notch people. I, I was really glad when I heard that she was on your program. Uh, that's wow, that's good. I'm glad she was available for that. So. Yeah,
0: well, it was it was amazing. I was at a Sunstone conference here in here in the uk and stacy yeah. appeared by a video link and mm-hmm. she um she read out her email address and i yeah. thought well mm-hmm. i'm I'm gonna test this because <laughs> obviously from from a brigamite sect point of view you never get the right. email address for a member of the first right. presidency right yeah so
1: yep. i just yep. sent
0: her a, a simple thank you mm-hmm. and she re- replied to me within the hour
1: that's amazing, saying, In, when I say it's amazing, it's that the timing worked out i mean they I think all of them eventually get to their emails, but uh they are very busy, and they do get lots of email
0: no yeah, absolutely well, so I, this,
1: yeah.
0: yeah and and she was quite happy to to come on yeah. a live a live stream and mm-hmm. be questioned yeah. and yeah. gave a very good showing of the community. Yeah, yeah um sure. have you have you met with
1: andrew bolton before well yeah andrew was my supervisor for a few years uh as as my apostle so I, yes i know andrew very well yeah yeah,
0: yeah. andrew andrew and pearl um he likes to
1: argue i uh i know that much yes <laughs> <laughs> he, he and i had plenty of those discussions <laughs> yeah no. he, he wants he once said to me, "He said, Steve. He said, I think you're in the most liberal five percent of the liberal population of Community of Christ." <laughs> I'm not sure that he meant it as a compliment, but I took it as such. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, thank you very much for recognizing that." <laughs> no.
0: awesome. I know that if no, I ever got goodness. any Community of Christ questions, I just fire them off to Andrew. Um, but I'll, I'll copy you in now as well. And you guys can, uh, reconnect.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No, he, he and I are in touch occasionally and we have similar interests in church history and things you like know, that, but you know, he's retired now I'm retired and we, you know, he lives, well, I think he's living mostly in Leicester, yeah. uh, England, and that spends a little bit of time still back in Missouri, but, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the miles are. Time change, too, is kind of hard to keep in touch much. But anyhow, yeah, that's a long story. I'm sorry. I told you I couldn't. I tried to make it short, but I wasn't successful.
0: No, I think understanding the background to your story helps us understand the book as well. So it's it's always always important to understand, especially where you're standing within Mormonism now. Some people Mm. stand looking in from outside, like myself. Um, and have chosen to step that way and others you know now knowing that you're in the community of Christ we can see where your I guess point of view is and biases, biases yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. but we'll 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 get there um, yeah, yeah. so you leaving the church in the Salt Lake Valley you said that your employer obviously had issues but overcame them Were there any other,
1: um, how are you family with it? Well, uh, um, my, uh, my siblings, I have three siblings and, uh, they're kind of a mixed lot. Um, one sibling is, is more Mormon than, uh, uh, President Nelson. (laughs) Uh, And, uh i have a catholic friend that's more catholic than the pope i would it had, took me a minute to get it into mormon mormon speak uh and the, another sister who is very actively engaged in her local ward and very much a believer and another sibling who says i'm I'm done with it all um uh, so um it's uh my my parents both of whom are deceased now had terrible struggles with what i had done um uh, my mother uh said she said i knew when you started reading those books that weren't approved by deseret book that something like this would happen and this was yeah you know, this was 50 odd years ago uh, and uh well uh if if it's not approved by deseret book maybe you should be reading the books that's my opinion but uh, uh my parents remained very faithful and active till the days they died and um uh, uh you know that they eventually came around to simply dealing with the fact that you know i i was excommunicated uh, at the time uh, when that all came down i asked to be uh, to resign my membership and technically on the rule book they were supposed to be able to do that but the state president was ignorant of the rules i guess i later had a conversation with one of the uh, first uh, what do you call it? First quorum of the 70 and told him that story. And he said, well, Steve, he says, see for that timeline, that's wrong. They should have simply took your resignation. He said, I'm going to check the records and fix that for you. And now I've never followed up to see if he has, because my parents are gone. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But when my mother saw that I had been blotted out of the family's, uh, information on the church database it was very upsetting for her and that happened just before she died and i'm i'm convinced that she has ordered my younger brother to do temple work for me again when i die but he doesn't confess that and uh, i don't know but just something that's something my mother would do (laughs) Uh, my dad um, after my mother died i i had fallen out with dad and i decided i needed to reconcile with him and, uh, he was in a nursing home, not far from my baby sister's house. And so I, I, would, I made special efforts to travel, to see them and stay at my sister's house and, and she could transport me around and, uh, trying to figure out how to communicate and, and get chummy with dad in his older age, where he, his mind was starting to kind of not, he, he didn't have Alzheimer's, but it didn't, uh, didn't always register the time space continuum and uh so i thought maybe the best way that i could be with him for that was to go to their sacrament meeting uh at the uh nursing home and and so i did and he w- we i went down had breakfast with him and then we we got into the common room and i'm sitting i'm kind of sitting by the wall and he's here and um, they serve the sacrament and they they serve him and then they reach the tray to me with the bread and my dad grabbed the hand of the guy serving the sacrament and said he can't have any He's an apostate. <laughs> and the whole room you know of 150 people turns and looks at me <laughs> and uh uh it, it just happened in, in the in utah at least in the nursing homes they the stakes kind of adopt a nursing home, and they they call someone to be the branch president of that nursing home. Happened to be a really good friend from Church History Circles, from Mormon History Association Circles, who was serving as the branch president at that very day that I was there. And I had not met him yet. I'd showed up, we you know, and I recognized him from afar, and he came over after He said, oh, he said, Steve, it's so good to see you. He said, was well, a bit awkward though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he had known me for many years. He, he knew my story. He, he knew my parents. Uh, he'd been a professor at Weber State University in Ogden. Um, and uh, just, just a wonderful man. And it, it was really, should I, do I dare say God's providence that he was there at that experience? Because it really helped me not even worry about what my dad had said. Uh, you know, and I continued when I visit, I would continue to go to sacrament meetings and he never dad never had to say anything again because I would take my Starbucks coffee cup with me. And that would be my sacrament while they had bread and water. Wow. So <laughs> I'm That's sorry. I, I, I'm just, you know, I I, I just can't stop. <laughs> you know, you know, what?
0: I'm, I'm just as bad. Uh, my parents were the temple president and. And. Um, they they got a nice house, big house behind the temple on the temple grounds. So for those years, all family events were at the temple because it was a large family, large house. You know, the church would provide everything. And yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. But Mm. on occasion, say Christmas, family gatherings, I wanted to have a little bit of something in my drink so I'd sneak a little in bit of something, something I see. <laughs> so the, I'm probably <laughs> the only person to have got Mary in the temple president's house, uh, and I hope my dad's not watching this. Actually,
1: I apologize. Um, oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, you're. Well, you know, I could because I'm an ordained minister. I'm Can you absolve priest, me of that sin? <laughs> so I, I can absolve you of that uh, problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, so um, you know, there's we we each kind of have to deal with those those stresses in in our own way. Now, having I don't want all this to be negative because I have found even in my transition from Utah LDS to Missouri LDS, so to speak, um, the bishop who processed my excommunication or, or that stuff has remained a close friend to this day. Uh, we're in touch. Uh, you know, this this was, like I say, 40 years ago plus. And uh, he was very kind and, and very loving. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't, uh, you know, he said the things that a bishop is supposed to say to people. Well, you know, we wish that your decision would be something else, but, you know. But he was supportive of me. As a human being, as a child of God, um, he he and his wife um, later became a temple president and matron in Papaete, Tahiti. Uh, and uh, I had the great privilege of being able to travel to Tahiti on church business for us. But before I went, um, he'd gone to uh, 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 this temple president had gone to a meeting in Papaete, kind of an ecumenical gathering, and the and the, in the the churches in Papa Ete are really, really quite uh, closely working together, Mormon, Catholic, Protestant, whatever. And he, there was a woman from our church headquarters that he had known through church music circles. And he saw her on the front row and went over to her and, and chatted and turned to the Tahitian church leader that she was with. And he said, by any chance, do you know a Steve Shields? And, um, This Tahitian church leader's (laughs) oui he's a good friend, and uh, so not long after that, when I went to Tahiti, um, uh, he just he was calling the Community of Christ mission office just about every day, trying to make you know didn't want to miss me. Did Steve arrive yet? Was he? Was when's he supposed to arrive? and uh, i had arrived in the middle of the night i'd gone over on the next morning and i hadn't been in the office for 30 minutes the phone rings and the receptionist said this phone calls for you it's like who's calling me it was this temple president's former bishop who was such a dear friend and he said when can we have you up to the house and you know the mission or the temple president's house you know is above the on the hill spectacular view over the city and the the bay out, outside of the city, and they just absolutely loved being there. And I was so grateful to still be welcome in their home. And, uh, uh, you know, so, I mean, uh, and through church history circles, I've come to know two or three of the official LDS church historians who are members of the first quorum of the seventy who uh, the, the two that are my best friends are both Democrats, which is unusual amongst uh, LDS church leaders. Uh, maybe that's why we got along so well. I don't know. But but I've, I've been so grateful for their testimonies, for their kindness, and for their Christ-like approach to me as an individual. So despite my shall I say arguments or disagreements and, and where I felt like I needed to go, there still are some really fine people. Uh, and, uh, uh you know, I don't, uh, I, I, I just, uh, I have it really, I, it's really hard for me to be an anti-Mormon. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, um, there's, I can talk about what I don't think is right. Uh, but, uh, I, I it's life's too short to spend that kind of negative energy and I'm grateful yeah. that there have been positives in that whole experience um, so uh, anyway uh, that's no. That's, well that's
0: great I've, I my priesthood leaders won't talk to me um, because I emailed them my opposition the general conference to the first presidency as instructed Um and yeah they won't talk to me now uh, but I think if you're friends beforehand, I think it's it's good to be friends after. Whereas I I didn't really know them; they just yeah, yeah, yeah. saw me as a dissenter. Um, right. But uh, before we move on to the book, I think yeah. something interesting I found about the community of Christ okay. was uh, the difference in the pastor and the bishop. Because when as oh. a as a Brighamite you think of pastor and you're thinking kind of i don't know a a, a southern baptist maybe or um, right 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 right. yeah but the original church actually had um
1: uh, pastors and bishops is that correct no that's not correct the original church had branch presidents okay (laughs) or presiding elders and bishops uh the bishop was not the uh caregiver or caretaker of a of a branch or a congregation uh he and i can say that when i'm talking about the lds church uh he was responsible for the temporal well-being of people in his ward and ward uh was a new term that came to place in nauvoo because the state of illinois had their political divisions in cities were called wards okay and uh, so ward was not an ecclesiastical term originally so in nauvoo you you had four wards and those corresponded with the voting districts for election purposes uh, and city council representation to this day chicago is still divided into wards and when the city of Chicago has elections for city council members, it's the they, they call them aldermen, or alderwomen now, of Ward X. So that Nauvoo civic organization ends up going to Salt Lake City, what is now Salt Lake City, with those who followed Brigham Young. Um, the bishops in early Utah history uh, were responsible for the temporal well-being of the people in their ward they did not have separate sacrament meetings Uh, there were some ward houses that were built in the pioneer era but everyone went to sacrament meeting at temple square who lived in salt lake city and uh, you know they originally they built a bowery then they built the old tabernacle then the, the domed new tabernacle and everyone went there for a sacrament meeting well into the early 1900s. Uh, the stake had an organization. There was a, a, and that's, you know, that's who was conducting the whole stake would meet for sacrament meetings. And this happened in the other towns, too. Most cities in Utah had stake tabernacles. Uh, now, Now, most of those have all been taken down. There's still a few that remained, but they were remodeled into local ward houses. They might call them a stake center still, but uh, in every town in Utah, everybody went down to the tabernacle in their town for sacrament meetings, which which were conducted by the state presidency. Um, the, The transformation into where the bishop became the dual pastor of a congregation or presiding elder of a branch and the temporal needs uh, took place over a couple of generations probably, and I don't know the exact history of that, uh, but I would say probably into the early 1900s at least the, the bishops were not presiding over weekly sacrament meetings. Um, and, you know, Salt Lake City was divided into wards, both ecclesiastically and civilly. Uh, a few years ago, I went to a history conference, and a young man had done some research on the different homes that the RLDS branch in Salt Lake City had had. And one of those, uh, right around the turn of the 20th century, was in the 14th Ward schoolhouse. And this young man had not done his research, and he was mystified as to why the 14th Ward would rent their schoolhouse building to this apostate group. Well, the 14th Ward schoolhouse didn't belong to the church. It belonged to the 14th Ward of the city. It was the public schoolhouse. <laughs> and so the RLS Church was renting the schoolhouse from the city, not from the Mormon ward that was across the street. And uh, so that that line that's uh, disappeared, and they don't, you know, Salt Lake City is no longer divided into wards for civic purposes. It's just, you know, ecclesiastical. So. The Bishop in Community of Christ remained as in the old days where the Bishop had a large oversight and dealt almost exclusively with, with financial matters and temporal well-being of people, including, you know, the, the holding titles to the buildings that were built and facilitating all of that. Um, and so that, that structure remains today. So uh, the presiding Bishop in Community of Christ, just like their counterparts in Salt Lake City, um, are presidents of they're the presidency of the Aaronic Priesthood. Yeah, and the the presiding bishopric in Salt Lake City deal with all the church properties, and uh, those financial matters. Uh, and so but, but the local ward bishop in the LDS Church deals with both, both spiritual and temporal needs and and the system has worked well my my granddad was ward bishop of of his ward uh for 20 some years back in the 1920s till world war one or world war ii started between one and two my dad was bishop of our ward when i was a kid and and they do they did spend a lot of time dealing with people in the ward who needed help yeah Uh, but but they also led sacrament meetings and um, dealt with those kinds of things too so so that, that's that's a difference in the structure. Yeah. Uh, we've adopted the term pastor just so that it just it's a instead of presiding elder or branch president. Um, you know, we've just simply moved into a, a more commonly understood terminology. Uh, you say pa- I'm pastor of a congregation, and almost anybody knows what that means. Yeah. If you say I'm the presiding elder of a branch, they look at you like, and and not all of our congregations would have been called branches there were some that were bigger and um so it just i don't know probably in the 80s or 90s we kind of just gradually switched over to where pastor became the general moniker for those who were leading and but but even so most of them are volunteers just like the bishops are in the lds church um uh you know some i don't know how many congregations we've got worldwide in the U.S., there's close to 2,000 at least, uh, maybe maybe not quite that many, but, you know, in, in all these different countries, and most of the local leaders are volunteers. There's a few at, uh, at the next higher level that are staff, but but even in, in most places, the, the mission center president, which would be equivalent to a stake president in the LDS church, most of those are volunteers, too, so uh, we don't... I I get this all the time from LDS people. Well, your church is wrong because you have a paid Uh ministry. It's like we don't have as many people on our payroll as you do.